The following podcast is a W2M Network partnership production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. You are now listening to The Football Five, only on the W2M Network. Welcome to The Football Five. Alongside Eric Watkins, Joshua Laurie, and Dylan Golden today, I'm Stephen Err. Pardon me if I sound different than I usually do. I am tired as hell. I know Josh is tired as hell too. Josh pulled an all-nighter. I am just beat. I was, I've been up for, since 5 10 this morning, and then I walked up and down the big highway by my house. In a sweater and a jacket in 60-degree weather, that is never fun. What? Just be happy <laughs> in 60 degrees, okay? Up here in Maryland, it's been miserable, raining weather. It looks like Seattle or London. Kodak Black <laughs> did not go to jail for this, okay? Kodak did not go to jail for this. Yeah, uh, you, you, you'd hate it down here because today I was wearing shorts and a T-shirt, feeling all nice. But I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> all right, let's... Back to football here. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. I know I did. Good, um, good pineapple casserole, as always. So we'll go over the final scores from Week Twelve. We start with Thanksgiving. The Lions? Why don't they say that anymore? The Lions? They, they are the Lions. They're not the Lions. They beat the Vikings sixteen thirteen. How about that, Cowboys? Beat the Redskins thirty one twenty six, and the Stellars beat the Colts twenty seven on Sunday. Falcons beat the Cardinals 38-19. The Ravens held off the Bengals 19-14. The Bills beat the Jaguars 21-28. The Titans beat the Bears 27-21. The G-Men beat the Browns 27-13. The Chargers beat the Texans 21-13. The Miami Dolphins are 7-4 now. Six straight win. Beat the Niners 31-24. The Saints run over the Rams 49-21. The Bucks up to the Seahawks 14-5. The Reds beat the Panthers 35-32. The Patriots beat the Jets 22-17 Sunday night. The Chiefs went a wild one over the Broncos 30-27. Monday night, the Packers end their four-game losing streak with a 27-13 win over the Philadelphia Eagles. So we were talking about young quarterbacks, and this has been a debate a lot. Actually, I've heard this a lot. James Winston or Marcus Mariota, which one's better? And then Josh brought up, well, that's just two quarterbacks. There's a lot of young quarterbacks. So we're just going to talk about who's the best young quarterback. Rookie, second year, whatever, third year maybe, because Derek Carr can go in that conversation. So the young, yeah, God, here we go again. My Cowboys bias. <laughs> the best young uh, quarterback I, in the league is Dak Prescott. I, I, no, no, you know I was let's, prepared let's, for this. <laughs> Sadly, I was prepared. <laughs> I was just going to say, let's have somebody go first before yeah, Eric does. All right. I mean, no, before you do, Steven, because all I right. do not okay. need to hear your love <laughs> notes to Dak Prescott here. All right, we'll let Eric go first. Uh, okay. To inject some potentially much needed rationality in this conversation, the whole big thing 
And I even said this when Mariota was drafted. I saw the system that he played in, more shotgun, spread offense, read and react with Chip Kelly in Oregon. And I said, he has a decent ceiling, starting to prove that under of all head coaches, Mike Malarkey, whom, for the record, I still don't trust. Another story. But the fact that now, much, much better, much more efficient in the red zone, starting to throw the ball deeper down the field, he's showing that his ceiling outside of a Chip Kelly system is higher, especially with the quarterback situation as it is in San Francisco and with the team situation in general. I honestly would still love to see Mariota out west reunited to show what he really can do. Jameis Winston, everybody knew, even Trent Dilfer at a football camp when he was in high school, he knew this kid was going to be one of the next big thing. And in his professional career, now mind you, they started keeping stats for individual players back in 1933. So we're going to ways. Jameis Winston has accounted for at least one touchdown in each of his first 27 career games. No one's done that before. And I really don't see too many quarterbacks, especially looking at the next couple of draft classes, who could come out and do that again. However, as much as it pains me to say this, I have to put Jameis third because the battle is between the two number fours. Derek Carr, what he's doing with his receiving talent and less of a caliber of an offensive line than Dak Prescott, I'm starting to see more and more of the argument that, yes, he should be MVP in a horse race with Tom Brady, but... The more that the Cowboys win, to Steven's delight, the more I have to say, Dak is potentially getting better and better and better. If I had to say who was the best with what I've seen now, Carl 1, Prescott 2, Winston 3, Mariota 4, but give those next couple of weeks, and as the season finishes... That's definitely going to be interchangeable. But if anything, you could see two quarterbacks taking home some pretty major individual trophies this year. Okay, Josh, go ahead. I feel like you guys are being absolutely ridiculous, okay? There is one young quarterback who is head and shoulders above everybody so far, and that is Derek Carr, okay? You got to realize this young man, and I feel like I can call him that because I am pretty sure I am older than Derek Carr. I know for a fact Steven is. Nope, 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 nope. Okay, I, I got ahead of myself. He's 25. I'm still 23. Yeah, no. Yeah, but, I'm about to say, come on now. He's, okay. not that, he's not that young. But, I mean, we're talking about a player who's already an MVP candidate. And we've seen how he's established himself as one of the next of one of the best quarterbacks 
for the next 10 years. If you look at his stats for this season, he is currently, he has five game-winning drives and five fourth-quarter comebacks. He's got 22 touchdowns and only five interceptions. That's right. His interception rate is 1.2% of his throws. Meanwhile, his touchdown rate is 5.2%. He's thrown for all, already thrown for 3,100 yards. And, I mean, he's been one of the biggest factors in the turnaround that we are seeing in this Raiders squad over the last couple of seasons. And he's got a pro bowl under his belt already. He already has accomplished more than these other quarterbacks. And and that's why I say with everything that he's shown right now, he's the best. But I'm saying others have to show me more. If he keeps showing me stuff like this, I've already sodded him and say it's between him and Brady for MVP. So don't get me wrong. I'm just saying there's what he's done and still can do. And there's what the others have done and still can do. I got factor. No, no, no. We're not talking about still can do. When we're talking about this, when we're talking about the best young quarterback, it's not the best what young quarterback done. five years from now. It's the best young quarterback today who I'd be comfortable starting with my team in a playoff game. And I love Jameis Winston. He's already shown he's got the chops to be a big game okay. quarterback in some of his drives. But he is wildly inconsistent. He is the black Andrew Luck, for lack of a better oh, term right hell. now. No, great athlete, great quarterback, but he's going to chuck it like he's Brett Favre. And sometimes it'll turn out amazing, sometimes it'll turn out disastrous. Derek Carr, he plays precise, he wins the game, and he's more than a game manager. And he's got more, he's got that same gunslinger Brett Favre mentality, it's just working out better for him. No, 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 (laughs) no, there are throws that he could make, that he's got the arm strength to, that he'll make the safe throw there. I've, trust me, I've seen it. He... He's a couple of years away from developing into that gunslinger mentality, but he's got that potential. Okay, so Eric is on the car train. See what I did there. And so is Josh. <laughs> well, Dylan, are you fill in the puns. Dylan, are you in the on the car train? I feel like I am because I've been really impressed with what Derek Carr has done particularly this season, and showing me that he's really progressing into becoming a top 10, top 5 quarterback, one of those top-tier quarterbacks. If you look at his stats right now in 2016, he has thrown for 22 touchdowns compared to 5 interceptions. Only thrown 5 interceptions through 12 weeks of play. That's pretty impressive. Again, I always like to bring this up when I'm measuring interceptions. Ryan Fitzpatrick threw 6 in one game, so he has less Derek Carr than Ryan Fitzpatrick does in one game. I just wanted to mention that. But so far this year... And over these last couple of years, speaking of him having a Pro Bowl and just the way he's progressing, Derek Carr definitely, for me, is showing that he is the best young quarterback right now. Especially, he doesn't have the strongest receiving core and, you know, weapons around him like, for say, a Dak Prescott does. And I'm not taking away any credit from Dak Prescott. Of course, Dak Prescott, from being coming into the season as a backup, and, you know, we all know about him. He's been incredible. But Derek Carr... I mean, he has Latavius Murray as a running back, who's decent, but he's not like an Ezekiel Elliott. You know, he's not one of those top-tier running backs. So, I mean, he's got a decent running back, but it's harder for him to do what Dak Prescott is doing since he has such great weapons around him. And his receiving core, 
Amari Cooper is great. Michael Crabtree is a solid veteran weapon. And then after that, I mean, you know, so his receiving core is decent, like his running backs are, but it's not, you know, one of the best in the league. So for me, what he's doing and the numbers he's putting up with some of the weapons he has around him, I think, you know, he deserves to be in the conversation for MVP and for one of the top quarterbacks this year and as a top young quarterback because he has this Oakland team in position to be on top of the AFC where last year they were definitely nowhere near that position. So, yes, I am riding the car train. Okay. So I, I'm going I'm to agree with Dylan. The, I think the Raiders can win the one seed because the Patriots have just not played Patriot football. Their offensive line has been terrible since last year's are, are, are title really game. Are you really going to trust the Raiders' defense, though, to be a team that can get them home field advantage? Because that defense is suspect. But how much better is the Patriots' defense? And Damn, as it I mean, stands right now, the Raiders, thanks to tiebreakers, are at the number one seed. The yes, Patriots but they, the also, they, they also have to play two of the best defenses in the league who are in their division on the road. Yeah, and the two out. of them There's played a, each other to a near tie. So what's your point? <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is that a they 30, both have... No, it'll be a 27-point tie at that. Yeah, but these are two defenses that beat up quarterbacks. And, I mean, we also got to remember that Derek Carr messed up his pinky. We don't know how significant that is, but it will affect, definitely affect how he grips the ball. And if that changes how his delivery is going against the Broncos and the Chiefs, I mean, people are already chalking them in for the division. I would not do that, okay? I'm not I'm not willing to consider talking about them being the first seed until I see their defense play more consistently. Because the Patriots defense has been inconsistent, but they have made big plays when they need to. I haven't seen that yet from this Raiders squad, except for Khalil Mack. Okay, so my point is besides the the Raiders winning the one seed, which I think they can do, Carr is not the the best quarterback in the best young quarterback in the NFL today. It's it. I mean, I'm not okay. You can say it's a little bias, but it's definitely you're being a homer. I mean, okay, Let, let's be real. I'm, you're uh, being a homer. I'm not a homer. I'm a fan, first of all. And three. Okay. How let's, many let's go back to Derek Carr's rookie year. What what was his starting record? O and ten. Dak Prescott's starting record: ten and one. Uh, no. Steven, uh, speaks off, for off, offensive line. Who's was better? That's why I had to add a caveat, and y'all were getting on me with potential. You put Derek Carr with that Cowboys offensive line. Look what happens over the past two seasons. Uh, you put Derek Carr there, and they've got two. T- they've got two Vince Lombardi trophies, and Jerry Jones is getting himself into all sorts of trouble with the women of Dallas. Hey, hey, he he's got as he claimed in a commercial back in the day a twelve-person hot tub. But he's also got two hip replacements, so <laughs> things balance themselves out. You're saying, <laughs> but the numbers numbers don't lie here, people. L and ten to start a career, and ten and one to start a career. It, it just yeah. uh, no, no, no. Just, you can't you can't just take that. You've got to look at the context. Okay, remember we're talking about a squad that if Romo before Romo got hurt last season was the favorite by Vegas to win the to represent the NFC in the playoffs. We've known that this Cowboys team has been 
amazing. And also, you've got to remember, there's a reason why Dak Prescott was sitting around in the fourth round. Obviously, he's outperformed everybody's expectations, but there's a reason why he wasn't a first-day pick. Not, not to mention the fact you talk about starting a career. Look at Peyton Manning. His first season was atrocious. Not to mention he threw 25 interceptions. You don't even have to look at Peyton Manning. You've got Troy Aikman, your own Hall of Fame quarterback, who yeah, it's true. One in fifteen. No, he didn't even win the game. He didn't even start that game. It was Walsh who started that game. Oh, okay. You guys got me there, but still, I'm just going by that. The start of their careers, I would put Dak Prescott over Derek Carr. But this season, it could go. And they're they're sort of tied up there. Second, I pick Marcus Mariota. He leads the league. Red zone touchdown passes. I think he's close to twenty. I think it's amazing how he's playing. James Winston, I'm not sold on yet. He has two losing seasons, and he beat the Chiefs and Seahawks in two games. Other than that, he beat the. What else did he beat? He beat the Falcons. So he, they just were had a bad defense that day, week one. No, no, you can't. You can't make excuses for teams when you don't want to give him credit. Okay, give Jameis his credit. He has been. I, 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 I'll admit it. He has been wildly inconsistent, but when he is on, he is easily in that conversation with Derek Carr for being the best young quarterback. It's just he can't sustain it week to week. Or even within games. Look at what mm. happened in the first quarter against Seattle with the two touchdown passes. Look at what happened the rest of the game. So six of one, half dozen of the other. I give Winston credit, but his record, you can't really put him at like – he's the number three best quarterback <clears throat> behind Mariota. And that was the first argument was who's better, Mariota or Winston? And obviously it's Mariota. Mariota is six and five now, I think. And the if you look at the Bucks schedule this season, they got manhandled by the lackluster Cardinals. They lost to the Rams at home. Manhandled by the Broncos. I mean that's the Broncos. They barely beat the crappy Panthers. Beat the Niners, that's nothing special. Lost to the Raiders, Falcons, beat the Bears, that's nothing special. And now these these two wins. Other than these two wins, I'm not I'm not sold oh, on. Okay, you're you're looking at records. Last time I checked, the Bucks have won three in a row. They've six and five, and the Titans and Browns are the last two teams that have their bye week. The Titans are sitting at six and six. What's really the difference? Hold on, now you gotta go to the Titans schedule. I mean, if you're talking about numbers, then it's completely different. And again, Mariota, outside of red zone touchdowns in his blowout performance against Green Bay of all teams, what are we really working with here? He's he's had to take these couple of seasons just to get used to a pro-style offense. That's why I say, yes, he's showing me he has a higher ceiling without Chip Kelly, but if you put him in San Francisco, he's a completely different quarterback. So the Titans' schedule isn't that impressive either, but, I mean, if you look at Mario's numbers, they're, they're better than the Winston's, so but 
again, numbers. I go by numbers here. Context matters, though. I mean, if you look at the numbers from one season, Ryan Leaf was better than Peyton Manning. Oh, God. <laughs> Not to mention, look at some of the seasons Drew Bledsoe had. How did that eventually pan out? I am so tired. I don't even have any argument left to me in this. Dylan, do you have anything? I mean, I think these two guys are pretty much even. So, I mean, at least until if we find out either Winston or Mariota can lead their teams to the playoffs, I don't know how much more we're going to have in this argument. They're pretty even. But, I mean, unless they – if they both don't make the playoffs, then it's pretty much going to be based off of numbers. If one of them can lead their teams to the playoffs, then I would have to go with one of those guys. So, right now it's pretty even, and that's pretty much all I've got to say about this Mariota-Winston argument. All right, so I'm the only one that says Dak Prescott's the best young quarterback in the NFL. Everybody else says Derek Carr. And as far as the Winston Mariota thing, let's see which quarterback makes it to the playoffs. We're going to come back here. Uh, that's this, not fair to Mariota because he's got – who's his head coach again? I keep on Mike, forgetting Mike, his Mike, name. Bo- Mike Baloney? Yeah, exactly. He's Bunch got no business and... being a head coach, okay? He's like coach – he is like Bob McAdoo and Jim Tomsula – and Coach O and LSU guys who are great coordinators, but they really can't get it done as the head honcho. Well, who's Tampa's head coach? Is it? He's not. He's not a great guy. Dirk Cutter. Yeah, yeah I mean, the offensive coordinator. <laughs> and he's C- the guy Cutter that just so cool. Cutter well, just got out. there though. I'm going to give him a chance before I say anything about his coaching. I have already seen Mike. Malarkey and his nonsense. Okay, in my parents' yeah. language, they call it yeah, yeah. It is nonsense. Well, yeah, I, I've seen it too, and I've also seen Dirk Cutter's handiwork. Sorry, that's pretty much a wash, in my opinion. For the second straight week, I'm on that island by myself. You know, we we, we replaced Rachel with Dylan, and I'm still on the island. Yeah, except you'd look a lot worse in a coconut and grass skirt bikini, okay? So this is, <laughs> just don't, for all of our sakes. Thank you. Ah, uh, all right. There's some more of the football five up next. If you're in the Pittsburgh area, look up McCrigger Photography on Facebook. That's M-C-K-R-I-G-E-R Photography. We specialize in senior pictures, portraits, wedding photos, engagement photos, and family photos. Contact us for rates and dates. It's game time, boys, and we know football. Football the Max is the podcast for you if you want in-depth analysis over the NFL and college football. We preview all the action coming your way over the weekend. And we break down all the big action after it's happened. Plus, we tackle all the big news topics and discuss everything when it comes to the gridiron. So come check out Football to the Max every Tuesday morning and Friday morning on the W2M Network. Dylan, what are Blake Bortles' first half stats? 299 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. He could do better than that. He knows it. Rachel, what's the latest on Big Ben's leg injury? His leg is healing. He should return to the game. 
The Steelers will need him the rest of the way. So that's a big break for them. Eric, what's the score in Glendale? Cardinals lead the Patriots 42-7. to We all saw that coming. Josh, how are Joe Flacco and Cisa coming along? I mean, I hate to say it, but they're looking good. I mean, they had a great game last week, and they're only one game out of first place in the AFC North. Don't count them being there that long. Do you want to hear more of that? Listen to the Football Five every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, only on the WTM Network. Also, follow us on Twitter, at the Football Five. Would Flex Seal be a better option at your flex position? Do you need a sham wow to clean up the mess you make after your quarterback throws another interception? Then we have the solution for you. I'm Randy Isbell. And I'm Mike Mitchell. And we're here to clean up your fantasy mess with more power than OxyClean. Check out the Fantasy Football to the Max podcast every Monday and Thursday at W2Mnet.com. Are you an arena football fan looking for the latest news involving your team? Inside the Arena has you covered. Check us out for the latest news around both the Arena Football League and the Chinese Arena Football League. Read all of our stellar articles at InsideTheArena.org. Also, follow us on Twitter at Inside underscore Arena. And like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash InsideTheArena. Welcome back. So we're, so we're sticking with the quarterback conversation. We're not, we're not talking young quarterbacks. We're talking bad quarterbacks. And Josh, this is your segment. You, you came up with the idea of talking about this. So why don't you tell us who you think has the worst quarterback situation in the league that's not the Browns. Okay. Yeah, and the Browns are exempt from this because they were intentionally bad this year. That's why they didn't sign any of their free agents. They let everybody walk. And they're trying to build it from the ground up. And they traded for assets. Okay, I you can check on in on everything football incorporated. My season preview. I predicted that it was going to be like this. I didn't predict them going zero and twelve, but at least they've been competitive in these games, which you couldn't say about most of their games last season. Now I've got three teams up for consideration personally for the worst quarterback situation. All for three very different reasons. First, we've got the Arizona Cardinals. Now, the Cardinals were supposed to be the darlings of the NFL this year. They came oh so close. If Carson Palmer was able to keep himself healthy, they might have made the Super Bowl. And who knows? With Larry Fitzgerald and that receiving core and David Johnson... They might have had a chance against that vaunted Denver defense, especially when their defense would definitely have manhandled the one-legged, noodle-armed Peyton Manning that we saw in the Super Bowl last year, who, by the way, by the numbers, was the worst quarterback to start a Super Bowl. And Trent Dolphin started the Super Bowl, so think about that for a second. But... Carson Palmer is falling apart. He is old. You don't really think about it, but when you remember, he won the Heisman in 2003, okay? I am... got robbed. Oh, sorry. But yeah, that, I mean, he's been in the league for a decade and a, almost a decade and a half at this point, and it's got to end sometime for him, especially because he hasn't been a quarterback who's had the injury luck that, say, a Tom Brady has had. And, uh, well, the thing is, Arizona's emergency is backup is Drew Stanton. And we all know what Drew Stanton is. There's a reason why the glass hasn't been broken 
and Carson Palmer is still there, and the Cardinals are just stuck going down with the ship. They're like the orchestra on the Titanic right now because their captain is no longer capable. Second, I've got Houston. Why? Because they gave Osweiler way too much money. I feel like we all said something. Everybody raised an eyebrow when he got this contract, especially because the Broncos let him walk. And, I mean, John Elway knows quarterbacks. He's proven that. He knew when to cut ties with Tim Tebow. He knew to bring in a guy like Peyton Manning, and he knew to put Peyton Manning back in the starting role because Brock Osweiler wasn't up for it. But the worst part is that the money that the Houston gave Brock Osweiler, I mean, he's got, what, $71 million guaranteed on his contract or something like that? It's so going $72 to, million total. Mm, I don't know how much is guaranteed. But even still, it's going to be impossible to trade him, okay? You saw how hard it was for the 49ers to try to move Colin Kaepernick this offseason, and he's his number is nowhere near that for his contract. So Houston is stuck with one of two things. Either one, they get lucky and find next year's Dak Prescott in the fourth round and hope he can be their starter of the future. But historically, that's not good. Two, pray that Tom Savage develops into a diamond in the rough after being on their roster this many years. Or three, ride out this contract because there's no way to unload it. You can't make it dead money because that you need to spend money on the rest of your team, and you can't be paying a $71 million contract to a backup quarterback, and they gave that contract to a backup quality quarterback. And finally, I got to go to Chicago because the Bears locker room has given up on Jay Cutler Granted, they seem to have given up on him every season, but this year it, it's over, okay? It's all done. He's going to be out of there. And the thing is, Mac Barkley is not a starter in this league. Could he start in the Arena League? Probably. Canada? Absolutely. NFL Europe, he'd be the MVP. But you don't want to be going in. You're not going to feel comfortable if you are going into a season and he is your QB1. He is good to come in and help you with games every win you two or three games, spot minutes in. But like I said, he is not a starter in this league. I guess we'll let Eric go next. Uh, Okay. I'm with you on those, but there's one team that you left out that I really didn't see coming this season, but I'm very thankful that it has because I can rub it in people's faces. The Jets. Fitzmagic went out the window. He's gone back to where he had his basically brief tenure in Buffalo. Throwing interceptions, making surprisingly bad decisions from a guy that went to Harvard. And can't complete a pass in the second half to save his life. They tried getting rid of him. They tried starting Geno Smith. Look what happened. Comes well, well, in, immediately throws an interception, and then gets hurt? First of all, there's no quarterback who has had less luck than Geno Smith, okay? He lost his starting job because he wouldn't pay a $500 debt and got his jaw broken by a linebacker who was immediately signed by a division rival. And then when he gets a chance to start again, he tears his ACL. But then you remember 
what happened when Geno Smith started, and it wasn't any prettier. Yeah, this is this is my exact point. This was just as ugly, and as a weird way of seeing it, you're kind of thankful that he got hurt simply because you didn't want to have to subject to more of it. That leaves Bryce Petty, which this ain't Baylor. And going back to your Houston situation, Tom Savage has been with Houston for a couple of years. He was beaten out by a guy who at one point didn't even make a team flight to a road game. That's kind of led to why they gave Osweiler that much money to begin with. First of all, just putting that out there. Hey, hey, I am 1000% with you because I was blown away that Tom Savage was taken in the third round of the draft. I grew up in Pittsburgh, and even though I'm a Terp at heart now, I keep an eye on the Panthers. And Tom Savage was terrible, okay? Tyler Boyd would have been the best receiver in the NCAA if he had an NFL caliber quarterback throwing to him. And that's just not Tom Savage. True, true. And and again, with Carson Palmer, I, I have to agree with you the fact that he is old. And like I said, he had one great year at USC, and all of a sudden he robbed the Heisman, or won the Heisman, robbing Ken Dorsey of it, but that's an argument for another day. I, Leave your Miami bias out of that, okay? You put Ken Dorsey <laughs> on that USC team, they're not making a BCS Bowl. You put Carson Palmer on that Miami team, they don't lose a game for five years. He was 16 and 16 before that season, so don't you dare. But anyways, look at what he did in Cincinnati. Granted, he had some bad luck in that playoff game against the Jets. Otherwise, I think he would have snapped a big streak there. By the time he got to Oakland, he was pretty blah. And he somewhat energized his career in Arizona, but... You mentioned Drew Stanton. He was able to tread water when Palmer went down that season. I would have thought they would have been at least somewhat competitive against Carolina in that wild card game had he not gotten hurt. Once they went to Ryan Lindley, I'm like, there's a reason this man has never thrown an NFL touchdown pass. I knew that they were done. So I can't take anything too much away from Stanton. Yes, he's not the best, but he's at least capable. The Jets don't really have too many people, not anybody now, that are showing that they are even capable. All right, let's get to Dylan's worst quarterback situation in the league. Yeah, for me, I think we just listed some pretty atrocious quarterback situations, and I'm a, if I'm a fan of any of those teams... I'm just holding on and hoping any other of my favorite sports teams are doing well because that's not the situation I want to be in. But if I had to choose the situation for me, that is the worst. I think I'm going to have to go down to Houston and take the Texans here because Brock Osweiler, at least to GM Rick Smith and head coach Bill O'Brien's expectations, apparently has played to a lot less than what they thought he was because they paid him $72 million to a guy that started half the year last year for a Denver team. And it was decent, but he wasn't anything that was worth $72 million for short. Now he gets $72 million and comes into the season, and he's less than mediocre. He is in the bottom barrel for NFL quarterbacks. I mean, it's just been pretty bad. I mean, they're 6-5, and five, and they're at the top of their division. So I can't say that 
it's because of him that they're not having success, but he's definitely limiting them. And he threw for 99 yards in one game. I want to bring that up. That was two weeks ago against Jacksonville. 99 yards should be something you get in a quarter, not an entire game. So throwing for 99 yards basically summed up his entire season, how it's been so far. He hasn't been able to complete full games. He's had some really good quarters, but not good games. And sometimes when his team falls behind, he doesn't have the capability like some of the top-tier quarterbacks that would be paid around $72 million to lead them back. So for me, it Houston has the worst quarterback situation, but I am putting the Jets at 1A behind the Texans at 1. So the Jets are very, very close. But for me, i got to go with the Texans at 1 just because of how much money they're paying a guy to throw 99 yards. Uh, I cannot say Houston has the worst. I mean, that Brock Osweiler is he's a C quarterback. He's not, you know, he's not he's not Fitz Magic. <laughs> Good God, the Jets have a terrible quarterback situation themselves. They got Bryce Petty, who didn't do much in their loss to the Rams. Christian Hackenberg is not ready. Obviously, he hasn't done anything. And then there's Fitzpatrick, who is Fitzpatrick, and I'm with Eric. So they are very they were very smart. To sign him to a one-year deal, and that's it. Very smart. But yeah, you guys want to talk about the worst quarterback situation? We can put it in different manners here. The saddest quarterback competition in the league is Arizona, because they were a playoff team last year. And now both their quarterbacks are just god awful. So sad. It is. They're, it is very they're sad so in bad right now that Drew Stanton actually flipped out after their game. From a playoff team to two bad quarterbacks, not a good time. We could talk Los Angeles, but Jared Goff is a rookie. I mean, he's only had two starts. It's, it's kind of early for me oh, to say also, anything about that. Golf is a you, question mark. No, yeah, so it's, it's too early to put, say anything about well, that. Well, no, you can't put Goff in that conversation because the Rams knew he wasn't ready when they drafted him. He had never play, called a play from a huddle in his career. Nope. <laughs> He had never taken a snap under center in his career. They brought him in knowing that he was going to be a project, but also that he was a local California boy and that they were moving to California. And you know what's going to help them put some butts in seats once they get that new stadium in a couple of years? And their defensive core has grown around Aaron Donald. And Especially they also have when one Jeff of the Fisher best- is fired. <laughs> oh, no. Jeff Fisher is the king of making himself important. He is going to be there when you are bouncing your grandchildren on your knee, Eric. Oh, God. Uh-oh. Oh. Eric, I, 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 <laughs> I have heard your thoughts about children. I am still going to stick with this. Your grandchildren are going to be bouncing on your knee, and Jeff Fisher is still going to be the head HC in L.A. If you say so, but recent developments has been disagreeing. Now, granted, <laughs> medical advances could change the first half of that statement, so I'll give you that one. But oh, and also, touching on something of what Dylan said, even with the 99-yard performance, sadly, he still won that game. And, I mean, even yards don't always count. Look back at Thanksgiving. Kirk Cousins threw for nearly 450 and lost. Dak threw for 195 and won. So there's a lot of things that have to convalesce in that situation. But 
right. I, I, I do I do have to hand it to you, Stephen. That situation in Arizona got sad and fast. And uh, I, I just I feel have, so half bad. Of, half of my Super Bowl pick is pretty much done right now. I'm I just feel so bad for Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, really. I mean, can the Steelers oh, trade for him so he can play with an all-pro quarterback again? Put him, I mean, have he, the Cardinals put him on waivers just as a professional courtesy. Pull, pull a Ray Bork. What no, no, he's too... Larry Fitzgerald is too classy to do that. We all know but, that. Right. That's why we love him. So the Arizona is the saddest. The worst has to be Jacksonville. Because it's Blake Bortles no. and uh, uh, whoever else they got. Chad no. Honey. Blake Bortles gives you fantasy numbers, okay? That is at least some type of value. He's not going to win you games, but he's going to throw it around, huck it, chuck it, football, and you can start him on fantasy. Can you start anybody for Chicago on a fantasy team? No. Can you start not, anybody from Houston on a fantasy team? We're not talking no. about fantasy Can you start no, 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 anybody no. from Arizona on a fantasy team? We're not talking no. about fantasy football. We're talking about okay. real football here. Fantasy football aside, do you realize how many offensive coordinators Blake Bortles has now had just in his brief career? That, that is a gigantic detriment to his development. That's why I say a lot of things need to clean house here in Jacksonville from con down. Don't even get me started. But that That's not the worst situation. That's just unlucky. I think that's the worst because uh, Blake Bortles, we had these high expectations for him and the Jaguars this season. And they're, what, 2-9? and nine? Come on. And they have Jed Henney. First of all, high expectations just for the franchise. Getting to 500 is high expectations. It's not like we're all of a sudden going to start talking Super Bowl down here. No, I thought we were talking about Super Bowl, but This is what happens because you guys flew way too close to the sun when you guys were an expansion team. (laughs) It's karma, baby. I'm probably inflicting some Jaguars bias here as a fan, but... Considering that we've had to talk about Brock Osweiler, Matt Barkley, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, look, I've gone through the pain as a Jaguars fan this year, knowing the expectations we had and the talent that the Jaguars had. Now they're two and nine, and Blake Bortles has thrown a lot of interceptions, and I will tell you that right now. But I say those three quarterbacks before, and I just don't see how that is the worst situation. Especially with what the future looks like if he can finally get stability with an offensive coordinator. Because when you list those three guys I listed before, you're just not going to get any production out of them. At least Bortles, you're going to get something out of him. Whether it's wins and losses, fantasy production, whatever it is, you're going to get something out of him. And he has the potential to grow. Those three guys, I don't see it in them. So, for me, I don't think that's the worst situation. It's not one of the best right now, but it's definitely not the worst. Two and nine with the quarterback we thought that could possibly win the division, probably picks into the playoffs. I don't know. Uh, Jesus, that's the not Jets, all. That's, but that's not all on him. It's not all on him. <laughs> oh, we're talking Come on now. But, now. Who's it on, there, Eric? I told you, Gus Bradley should have been fired. He gave himself an extension by firing yet another offensive coordinator, which I thought the offensive coordinator he fired was a mistake in bringing in to begin with. 
I thought that that was a five-pound bucket of crap even before this season started. And then that gave me false hope. So he's got to make do with scraps, okay? Scraps. He's not getting a decent sandwich at a diner like Derek Carr, <laughs> not getting a three-course meal like in Dallas in some of these places. So come <laughs> on. I I do I still believe that Jacksonville has the worst quarterback situation. Dallas has the best. And Josh, Jeff Fisher will not be a head coach by the time you go to the University of Maryland, which I believe is in a year or two. This is no, it, no. it's in a couple of months. No, Jeff Fisher. No, 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 no. no Black, no, Black Monday. Fisher, he is no, no. Jeff Fisher timed it perfectly. That's why he didn't have a quarterback who was ready to start day one, and now. Oh, we can't change our quarterback, our coach, because we're bringing along this quarterback. He just oh, no. oh, no. two more seasons. No. Be eight and eight. Okay. Then why is the front office already going against him, not backing up Jeff Fisher, with the recent developments and situation with Eric Dickerson? Think about oh, it. Because that's, Eric Dickerson that's, that's, he's just is Eric, Eric Dickerson. Dickerson. Okay, that's like... That's like uh, Mark Brunel talking trash about Gus Bradley. What do you expect ownership to say? They're going to worship the feet of their best player. Okay, not Mark Brunel. How about Fred Taylor or Jimmy? Fred Taylor, Mark Brunel, and Jimmy Johnson. That's all three of them doing that for – if all three of them did that for the Jacksonville Jaguars, that's the equivalent of what Eric Dickerson is doing for the Rams. Jeff Fisher's disrespecting Eric Dickerson. Eric Dickerson belongs in Los Angeles. Jeff Fisher does not. No, so we'll and, he's, and he's going to be gone. The, the, no, LA, so the is, Hollywood is Jeff is a master at making sure he is involved in everything with the squad. But, the, but that this is, is why Los Angeles. This isn't St. Louis. This isn't Nashville. Come on. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything when they still got the same owners. Yes, it, as a matter of fact, yes, it does. And because of his agent and all this relation to ownership, that's the only reason why he still even has a job right now. <laughs> I'm just telling you, Hollywood Jeff has a couple tricks up his sleeves, and I wouldn't be surprised if he knows where the bodies are. Well, like Hollywood, our good friend Gus Bradley does. <sighs> well, Hollywood Jeff can take his Key West butt tickler and move on to some other <laughs> NFL team, okay? <laughs> Let, let's just throw that on the table right now. Although I do have to, I do have to agree uh, with Gus Bradley. I don't know who he has photos of, of what doing what to whom that could surface on the internet one day. But seriously, someone's missing a brain somewhere in that front office. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, so finish it off here, Jeff. Josh said Jeff Fisher has something up his sleeve. The Los Angeles front office better cut those sleeves, <laughs> okay? Because he's not winning. He's not. He's not taking any team to the playoffs. Not anymore. All right. More of the football five next. Are you an arena football fan looking for the latest news involving your team? Inside the arena has you covered. Check us out for the latest news around both the arena football league and the Chinese arena football league. Read all of our stellar articles at InsideTheArena.org. Also, follow us on Twitter at Inside underscore Arena. And like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Inside the Arena. 
Would Flex Seal be a better option at your flex position? Do you need a sham wow to clean up the mess you make after your quarterback throws another interception? Then we have the solution for you. I'm Randy Isbell. And I'm Mike Mitchell. And we're here to clean up your fantasy mess with more power than OxyClean. Check out the Fantasy Football to the Max podcast every Monday and Thursday at W2Mnet.com. If you're in the Pittsburgh area, look up McCrigger Photography on Facebook. That's M-C-K-R-I-G-E-R Photography. We specialize in senior pictures, portraits, wedding photos, engagement photos, and family photos. Contact us for rates and dates. It's game time, boys, and we know football. Football the Max is the podcast for you if you want in-depth analysis over the NFL and college football. We preview all the action coming your way over the weekend. And we break down all the big action after it's happened. Plus, we tackle all the big news topics and discuss everything when it comes to the gridiron. So come check out Football to the Max every Tuesday morning and Friday morning on the W2M Network. Dylan, what are Blake Bortles' first half stats? 299 yards, two touchdowns, and interceptions. He could do better than that. He knows it. Rachel, what's the latest on Big Ben's leg injury? His leg is healing. He should return to the game. The Steelers will need him the rest of the way, so that's a big break for them. Eric, what's the score in Glendale? Cardinals lead the Patriots 42-7. We all saw that coming. Josh, how are Joe Flacco and Cisa coming along? I mean, I hate to say it, but they're looking good. I mean, they had a great game last week, and they're only one game out of first place in the AFC North. Don't count them being there that long. Do you want to hear more of that? Listen to the Football Five every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, only on the WTM Network. Also, follow us on Twitter, at the Football Five. Okay, so um, we talked to quarterbacks most of the show. Now we're going to get to... Dark Horses. If you don't know what Dark Horses is, it's pretty much a team that has surprised us this season. Josh says he has one that I won't like, so I'm going to let him go first. Yeah, it's the Carolina Panthers, you know. The squad that we cursed (laughs) on our season preview podcast by predicting them to pull a perfect season and start popping that champagne and buying a house right next to the 72 Dolphins. Well... It's gone the opposite direction, okay? I understand why their offense has been struggling. They currently have four offensive linemen on the injured reserve. They don't even need to all be starters, but when you've got that many holes in your offensive line, your offensive production is going to fall down, okay? If we've learned anything over the past couple of seasons, it's that every great team has a quality offensive line, and if you're going to compete for a Super Bowl – you need to have at least three of those offensive linemen to be in the top 20 of the league. What is very confusing, though, is the scoring defense for the Panthers. They lost Josh Norman, and they've made some cost-cutting moves, which in the long run will help them because they've got significant cap flexibility, and they are still a relatively young team. But it is telling how their scoring defense has dropped from being ranked number six last season to number 24. Steven, do you have any idea what happened on that side of the ball? 
You know, what I t- thing I said about the Panthers was Josh Storm had like two interceptions, I think, last year. So he wasn't makes so much of an impact. Good God. He was the biggest I, impact in franchise history as far as I defense mean, is concerned. Hey, Josh like, Norman, it was never a shutdown corner in that he's going to pick off every ball he's going to get thrown. He was a shutdown corner as in, oh, yeah, let, let me just throw away from him because he's got the potential to do that, okay? I haven't yeah, seen a quarterback yeah, yeah, do that since, Revis. like... Oh, no, I haven't seen a quarter, cornerback be that imposing since I'm talking about a young Charles Woodson back when he was with the Raiders running around with another Woodson named Rod who did that for the Steelers about a decade earlier. Oh, God, those... I... Yeah, you did not mess with those guys. And by the way, Steven, that champagne that I popped, it was delicious. Should have got another bottle. Oh, wait a minute. You popped it like six weeks ago. <laughs> hey, all right, Eric, you want you up here. Uh, yes, most of us do. Eric, uh, go right ahead. Uh, personally, one dark horse I've seen... I'm just going to read off a list of scores. 23 16, 27 23, 17 10, 28 23, 21 20, 22 16, and 27 13. Now, given the closeness of these of the New York football giants. That who, was my guess. Yeah, for some miraculous reason, I don't know what astrological phenomena occurred, but this is one of those years. They're 8-3. and three. Looking at the rest of their schedule, they could easily finish at the Magic 10-6. and six. What's happened when they've finished seasons in the nine and seven and ten and six range and have gotten to the playoffs? They're holding the Lombardi trophy. Yeah, except there's one key difference. Bob McAdoo, a head coach who doesn't understand how the cover two works, was not in charge of that football team. He was not the CEO of that football team that went on runs, okay? And, and- I I'm expecting the Giants to be a playoff team, but let's pump the brakes. They're not about to go on a run, and that's a disingenuous to the job that Tom Coughlin did, not just in New York, but also in Jacksonville and his entire coaching career to even insinuate that something like that could happen this season. Hey, I'm not taking anything away from Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin coached the Jaguars when I was just getting into sports. And I realized how stupid it was to print out t-shirts saying Super Bowl champions even before the AFC championship game. I know about ultimate jinxes in all these situations. But I'm saying, if you're getting this far and we've seen craziness in the playoffs... Yes, McAdoo is no Tom Coughlin, but McAdoo crazier things have no happened. G- Even in 2016, <laughs> think about that. <laughs> McAdoo is no Jim Topsula. He's an NFL head coach who does not know what the cover two is or how it works. And, 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 and do you not the cover th- two's been a staple of defenses for 20 years. 
They run it in high schools. How does an NFL head coach get confused by that? Well, look at his previous positions before he became a head coach. Now, granted, that's a knock on the Giants for not getting anybody better suited and kind of running Coughlin out of town, but somehow, something mysteriously, even with his lack of knowledge of the cover, too, how does he won eight games? He's got lucky because he's got Eli Manning, a future Hall of Famer. And we've seen when Eli Manning, what he can do when he actually gets in the playoffs. Yeah, again, he did not have the clipboard being held by a man who is a professional football coach who does not understand how the cover two works. I'm just saying, though, I I get it, and I hear you, but... You can't say you're just saying what the coach doesn't know how a fundamental part of And I'm saying, you're absolutely right. That's even weirder how this happened. And that's why I'm saying... It's been a weird NFL season, okay? Cats and dogs are mingling glass wine. Pandemonium is in the streets. And that's why I say because of that pandemonium, could you really count the Giants out in this case? Yes, because their coach doesn't know what the cover two is. Oh, my God. Freaking cover two. Dylan, dark horse, please. Well, I mean, I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins because I think we're looking at only a short month ago, they were one and four, and their only win came because Cody Parkey missed a field goal when against the Cleveland Browns, the Dolphins, and they would end up winning in overtime. That was their only win. Then they beat the Steelers, and then all of a sudden they now won six straight games, and they are in the sixth position in a wild card spot to make the playoffs. And looking at their schedule, they have some favorable home games left, a couple tough road games, but they could potentially make the playoffs, which, you know, something, especially down here in Miami, is something that Dolphins fans will rejoice after seasons after seasons of mediocrity. So for me, especially at the beginning of the year, we know we knew Adam Gase was coming in, but we did not expect, you know, a lot from the Dolphins this year, especially with the talent that we thought they had. But Jay Ajayi emerged. He became, you know, one of the better running backs in the NFL after having consecutive 200-yard games. And for me, I mean, we didn't expect the Dolphins to do this. They're 7-4 and four right now. I mean, there's other teams. There's the Buccaneers, obviously the Raiders, obviously the Cowboys. But for right now, I think our my surprise team, my dark horse, is the Dolphins. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with Dylan. The four of us covered Miami sports back in 2015. And the Dolphins, they had these high expectations with Cameron Wake and Damakon Sue. We had Greg Jennings. We're going to go to playoffs. We're going to probably beat the Patriots in the division. And then they finished 6-10, and 10, I think. Pretty sure they finished like 6-10 in 2015. Now here they are. They're, they're 7-4, six straight wins. Yeah, I, I love J.H.I. I've loved him since his days at Boise State. Great running back. And he's – he, oh, oh, all right, Josh. You got Yeah, something. the real breakout star is Ryan Tannehill. I mean, all of a sudden, he looks like an NFL quarterback because if we had the worst quarterback decision, uh, situations conversation like even a month ago, who here wouldn't have Ryan Tannehill on that list? Okay, well, he's been helped by Jay Ajayi, especially back-to-back 200-yard performances. Not to mention, everybody talked about Adam Gase as a quarterback whisperer. Maybe that talk is legitimate because of what Tannehill's actually done. 
I still don't see him staying with the Dolphins, but that's beside the point. This whole team has just clicked. Six straight wins. It's, it's, um, I, I'm astonished. Hold on, he's not going to stay with the Dolphins, and he's been doing this well? One more year. I give him one yeah. more year in Miami to support for himself. Well, that would yeah, mean that it, you're going to fire Adam Gase again. I mean, no. you're going to fire another quarter. You're going to fire another coach Why would you fire then. Adam Gase? Why would, why would they fire Adam if, Gase? If Tannehill decide, if you get rid of Tannehill, then you're going to get rid of Adam Gase because you choose, you, you could have gone, you could have decided to have another quarterback then. Before no, you get they get here. rid of they get rid of Tannehill and possible. This is entirely possible as a stopgap while they develop that backup quarterback who's very talented. Brandon Dowdy. Exactly. He's going to be the guy of the future. But in between, oh, yes. if, if Tannehill finds some way to screw this up, do you not think that they would reunite Gase and Jay Cutler? Personally, that could be a total epic fail. But that will be a total uh, failure, okay? We all know that Jay Cutler is destined to get overpaid by either the Rams or the Jets, depending on if Kirk Cousins stays If the Rams overpay for Jay Cutler, fire Jeff Fisher now. Well, not to mention you got Let's Tony Romo floating around on the market. He Tony, Romo is, to- Tony Romo is mobbed up, okay? He is part of the familia. He is going to be one of the guys taking over the franchise when Jerry Jones passes on from this life. Yeah, but he's still going to have to play quarterback oh, somewhere before all of that happens, okay? No, no, he's he and is also, a couple, Wait, Tony Romo doesn't have to play man. again to do something with the Cowboys in front office. Let's, let's well, be honest I, and, there. No, and absolutely not. But again, that I got a lot of things that has to happen. And if Jerry Jones does go, I really got to see if he had the 12-person hot tub shaped like the old Texas Stadium. Because I would be making an investment <laughs> on that. But again... That's wait, where do we get into this Jerry Jones is going to die thing? Like, yeah, I, I just said that. Jesus, no, people, this is a football podcast, not a death podcast. Hey, all I was saying is that's how close to the family that they can that the that the Jones family considers Tony Romo. He goes on vacation with them. He's yes, going to he no, he is going to get the Alonzo Mourning deal. Okay, he's going to be set up with a nice job in the front office, assistant general manager, head of scouting, whatever he wants. Hell, he might become the heir apparent to Jason Garrett. Okay, oh, but boy. still, that's uh, where you're going to have some sort you of You better hope that he time. takes that job, because if you let him be on training camp and yeah, playing he, against Dak, is- you're going to have a problem. Yes, and again, he went to the front office. He went to the coaching staff and said, hey, can I compete for the starting job? They told him to pack sand. He's even admitted with his body language and in his press conferences. He is going to play somewhere else before he becomes a wartime consigliere with the Cowboys. He can't become a a wartime consigliere if he plays somewhere else. Yes, he still can. He plays a year, then he retires, and then Jerry Jones is waving him with the thumbs up, two bad yes, hits, yes, and all, yes, telling because, him to come back home. Yes, because we have seen the gracious reuniting between Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers. Oh, or oh. how about with the 
with a Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts. That oh, come on. They gave, they gave him a standing happen. ovation in Indianapolis, and he was right there on the field for the oh, 10th anniversary of Super Bowl Forty One. Not, not to mention. anniversary, but he's not part of the organization. He's Maybe out there realize that he pieces. doesn't want to be part of the organization. Yeah, he just, he didn't. He didn't want to be. He not just wants to, to be himself. Do you really trust Ursay in that situation? He's yeah, that's practically it. Trust even Ursay. worse than his father. Come on. Now, 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 now. His his father did every all of his mistakes sober. Okay. Ursay just needs to stop playing with the uh, the candy. We we go from Brian Tannehill, Adam Gase to Tony Romo starting the Cowboys front office and going elsewhere. This this show has everything and anything. I tell you. All right, so deliver is a football show. Come on now. <laughs> As we're gonna wrap up the show here with our picks, uh, I guess we'll start with Josh. Your upset of the week, your close game of the week, and your blow of the week. Now, if you would be so kind to oblige me, just uno momento. So while we wait for Josh. I've got it. My blowout of the week. Okay. The Dallas Cowboys against the wounded, the whimpering Minnesota Vikings. I hate to stroke your ego, Steven, but this Dallas squad is for real. And they are some bad. Shut your mouth. My upset we just of the about week. That. <laughs> my upset of the week, and you know what? I am going to be going with an incredibly irrational pick. But this is a great trap game, and this is a game that could save Jess Fisher's job because you know Hollywood Jeff, he's got some tricks up his sleeve. The L.A. Rams versus the New England Patriots. I am picking the Rams to win. Why? Because their defensive front can get enough pressure to harass Tom Brady. And for my close game, I've got the game of the week. Steven, this is the reason why your favorite commentator isn't going to be calling the Dallas game. It's my Pittsburgh Steelers versus the New York Giants. We got two quarterbacks who are forever linked from the 2004 draft class and two of the best receivers in the league in Odell Beckham Jr. and Antonio Brown facing off against each other. It's going to be fireworks. It's going to be beautiful. America pageantry. Steelers win that, but it's going to be a game that has at least 60 points combined. Uh, Thank God Joe Buck is not calling a game the rest of the regular season. For the Cowboys. He'll probably end up calling the division around game. And then the title game and the Super Bowl when we get there. Eric, your turn. Well, another reason why he's not calling that game is because they put it on Thursday, which is actually convenient for the Cowboys. And honestly, Josh stole a bit of my thunder because that's going to be my blowout game of the week as well. In Minnesota... I've seen what they did against Detroit. I've seen Sam Bradford come back to earth. Enough said. Dak is on the attack. That's all I can really say about that one. And honestly, my close game of the week, given what the Niners did against the Dolphins, 
But given the fact that the Bears' defense is about near that same level when they want to be, and given the fact that the quality of play between the two quarterbacks in general, this Bears-Niners game, it could potentially be painful, but I honestly think it's going to be close. If that one, that's going to be the one that, again, could come down to somebody screwing up a two-minute drive one way or another. And for my upset of the week, Josh, I got a different take. You're right. The scoreboard's going to get a workout between Antonio Brown and OBJ, Sterling Shepard. I assume if he's healthy, Marcus Wheaton, all these receivers and these quarterbacks, it's going to be a shootout. But honestly, I see the Giants one way or another keeping New York weird and beating the Steelers. They're I 8-3, and three, we're 6-5. and five. How is them winning an upset? Because honestly, the Giants only beat the Browns by two touchdowns. The Browns hung tough, and they're 0-12. I see this as a realistic upset because even though the Steelers are 6-6, six and six, do you really consider them to be that bad? Yes! Have you seen our defense? We cannot tackle water, okay? We can't tackle a bunch of fifth graders on that end of the field. Oh, but, but come on, do you really think outside of the two receivers that I've mentioned, what would the Giants be legitimate threat be? They finally discovered just now how to run the ball. That would give you at least some help? No, it won't because we can't tackle anyone. I'm saying, this is why I say, when have you ever known me, first of all, to pick a traditional upset? When? This isn't going to seem like a traditional upset. The Steelers are favored in this game, oddly enough. That's why even... Big time, too. Yes. I I was shocked by the line. Well, that's because Vegas knows that people are suckers. Yeah, Vegas is suckers of suckers. Let me tell you that right now. Oh, come on. Come on. Vegas knows that people are suckers, but... Hey, have you seen Vegas's reputation? Nine times out of ten, they know something we don't. This, I'm telling you. Come people, on, it's not the 1970s, okay? Let let let's stop with the malarkey like that. <laughs> and, and, uh, look, yeah. In the words of a former Weekend Update anchor on Saturday Night Live, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> The Steelers are a six-point favorite over the Giants. Vegas is a bunch of suckers. Dylan, your picks next. All right, so I'm hearing some picks here that are talking about this Ram-Patriots game being a close game, or in fact, even having the Rams winning. So, Patriots are not... No, 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 Dylan, you can go ahead and call me out on saying that I've got the Rams upsetting the Patriots. Yeah, you're crazy. Really. <laughs> so... So I, I understand. The Patriots have not been playing their best as of the past couple of weeks. They've struggled with the Jets and the 49ers, some of the league's worst. Now they're heading home. They have not been home for a while, ever since Tom Brady came back from suspension, only a couple of games. It's going to be cooler. Los Angeles is traveling from west to east, and I know a lot of these players used to be in St. Louis. That's still a time difference. Now you're traveling east. That's usually never a recipe for success. I think now they're at home. You know, they're going to try to bounce back from last the last time they lost at home. Tom Brady, you know, he is injured. 
But if he can get back to healthy, I think this is definitely a blowout game in favor of the Patriots. So that is definitely my blowout game of the week. And for my upset of the week, I'm going to go West. I think the Buccaneers, they are hot right now. They've beaten the Seahawks. So they, they, you know, they got a lot of, they're on fire right now. Six and five. They're playing very well as of late. They just shut down the Seahawks. And now I think they're going to go into San Diego and upset the Chargers after they had a win over Houston last week. So I'm going to take the Buccaneers in my upset over the Chargers. And now in my close game of the week, this is definitely not going to be a good game. And I, and I suggest if this is the only game you get on your TV, watch something else because this is a terrible game, but I think it's going to be a close one. And that's 49ers bears. I advise you please to watch something else too. You don't ruin your Sunday afternoon. This is a terrible game, but it's going to be a close game. The bears have Matt Barkley, a quarterback. They played the Titans tough last week. The 49ers, Colin Kaepernick, say what you want about him, you know. But he's he played well last week. They're 1-10. They've not won since week one. So, basically, this is a fight to either get a draft pick or finally pick up a win. I guess one of these games where you say you just pick the home team, I'm going to pick the Bears in an extremely close one because these two teams are so evenly matched on the wrong side of things. So, I'll take the Bears in a close one, but please watch something else if you can. Usually I tell you guys that you make some good picks, but the Bears and Niners, come on. It's going to be a 3 nothing game. I don't care who wins that game. It's going to be 3 nothing. I think it's going to be a dumpster fire. All right. I'll do you even one better. 2 nothing, and someone wins on a safety. <laughs> As time expires, right? <laughs> I guess I'll start with my close game because it's the first game that I see here on my schedule. Falcons are playing their final season at the Georgia Dome. Pretty sad, but they're having to get a bigger, nicer stadium. The Chiefs are hot. Hot. Ouch. I mean, they when the, when Brock, they give a 76-yard touchdown Sunday night against Denver, I thought it's over. They're not winning this game. They won the game on the road. Wow. Now they're going to get on the road against the hot Falcons team. By the way, we, we can now buy them. We said in... A few weeks ago, if they're good by week 11, we could buy the Falcons. I'm buying the Falcons. I'm also buying the Chiefs. I'm buying these games goes to the overtime. Falcons and Chiefs, my close game of the week. I'm going to the upset here. Uh, God, I wish we had Rachel here. St. Carrie Underwood. Sunday night. The Seahawks lost to the Bucks. We're still on the rise. They're good, but they're not great. The, the Panthers scored 25 straight points against Darius. Everybody's one seed and play and division champions. Plus, the Panthers have won the last two games in Seattle, I think. At least the last meeting. I remember that game. So the Panthers will go into Seattle on Sunday night and beat the Seahawks. Sorry, not sorry. Blowout game. You know, I put my cards on the table with the Jaguars last week. I said the Bills are going to blow them out. The Jaguars had a lead half, halfway through the game. I was like, oh my god. I was astonished. It's not happening against Denver. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's, it's not going to happen. I don't know what happened to Buffalo, but Denver's a better team than Buffalo, and Denver's going to dominate the Jaguars. Any final thoughts? So you're saying a close game in overtime, huh? Uh, uh, uh. Oh, boy. 
We talked about <laughs> this one when they came to the no. The, what that, no, that Chiefs game went into overtime too. Eric, this is yeah, America. We Look, won the Amer- Cold got- War, and part of that means no sharing and ties are sharing. Hey, I got treated to two overtime games on Sunday night. Thank you very much. One yeah, me too. Me night. too. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched that game. Great, the Great Cup. Congratulations to the Ottawa Redhawks. Winning the 104th Grey Cup, by the way. Number one, Ottawa Red Blacks. And number two, do you have any idea how much I wanted to smack you for that one tweet, Stephen? I had to (laughs) hold my tongue so much in it. (laughs) That was a great game. Don't do that in Canada. You don't say that they've won just yet. Hashtag no lead is safe. Yeah, really. Congratulations to Calgary. Hell of a game. Too many turnovers, though. And well, they had, a, I, uh, yeah. they had a Go great ahead. game. They had a great season. I see Bo Levi Mitchell even back in his days at Eastern Washington. But, uh, yeah, uh, title's where it belongs. Ottawa first Grey Cup since 76. So, uh, yeah, go home. See you again next year. <laughs> and shout-out to my friend Haley Caffarella. She's got a job at the Trenton. She, she, got, a, she got a job at the local newspaper from a professor. She's my best friend, so I'm, ha- I'm happy for her. Um, yeah, congratulations to the Red 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 Blacks. Pardon me. Sheesh. <laughs> so I guess that'll do it here for the Football Five. Eric Watkins, Josh Lord, Dylan Goldman. I'm Stephen Err. I'm not tired anymore, but I'm hungry. So I'm going to go eat. Enjoy week 13. Go Cowboys. 11 straight wins right now. Well, they're going to get 11 straight wins on Thursday. And we'll see you next week. Oh, it, right, so yeah. how, how many more weeks do we have? Was them eight, nine? Uh, we have uh, this. The following it. podcast is a W2M Network partnership production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.